I thought the whole idea of taking milk and making something as humble as milk into something really, really beautiful and really decadent and luxurious or just something really like hearty and kind of a workman's uh, lunch, if you will. Like I love that cheese has that dichotomy. It can go from something super, super fancy to something super, super basic. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And I mean, just like how you were really excited when you found out that I work with cheese, that's also pretty cool. The fact that you can make people so happy with something as small as a little piece of cheese. Hey, everybody. I'm Julie, and welcome to Women with Cool Jobs. Each episode will feature women with unique, trailblazing, and innovative careers. We'll talk about how she got here, what life is like now, and actionable steps that you can take to go on a similar path or one that's all your own. This podcast is about empowering you. It's about empowering you to dream big and to be inspired. You'll hear from incredible women in a wide variety of fields, and hopefully some that you've never heard of before. Women who build robots and roadways, firefighters, C-suite professionals surrounded by men, social media mavens, entrepreneurs, and more. I'm so glad we get to go on this journey together. Hey, everybody, this is Julie, and welcome to another episode of Women with Cool Jobs. Today, we are going to talk all about cheese with a cheesemonger. Her name is Carly Lisk, and she has a really cool shop in Brighton, Michigan called Culture Beer and Cheese. Her and her husband own this shop, and they pair craft beers with fine cheeses, and it pretty much sounds like my idea of heaven. So I don't know about you, but I really love cheese. I love smelly cheese and cheese that isn't smelly. I love cheese that's hard and cheese that's soft. I love cheese that's tangy, and I love cheese that's creamy. I just really love cheese. I had the glorious time of trying cheeses when I have traveled and also studied abroad in France and other places in Europe, and literally is one of my favorite, favorite things to do, to go to a market and just ask for some really interesting cheeses and hear the stories behind it. And that's exactly what Carly does for her job, and she has taken this passion of hers for cheese and turned it into a career. I didn't even know this was possible. So I hope that you really enjoy this conversation and that you learn a little bit about cheese along the way. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at womencooljobs or on my website at www.womenwithcooljobs.com. I love hearing from you and thank you so much for listening. Hi, Carly. Thank you so much for being on Women With Cool Jobs today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me here, Julie. This is exciting. Well, the pleasure is all mine. So today I'm so excited to talk to you because you are a cheesemonger, which is basically an expert at cheese. And so I love cheese and I was super excited to have the chance to talk to you because I did not know that this could be a career path. And so I love I just love the idea of what you're doing. You have your own shop with your husband in Brighton, Michigan called Culture Beer and Cheese, and you pair fine cheese with craft beers. Plus you have crepes, charcuterie plates, jams, gelato, and more. And so it basically sounds like my dream. Like if I could walk into there, I'd probably be in heaven. It sounds so great. So thank you for being here. First of all, thank you. So I want to hear from you. 
tell us a little bit about your job and how do you define what you do? So obviously on the most simple level, a cheesemonger is a person who sells cheese. But what more than that, that entails, obviously I have to curate a selection. So I want to make sure that I have a wide variety of cheeses that represent a bunch of different styles, um, milk types, cows, goat, sheep, water buffalo, areas of where they come from. I'd say about half of my collection is domestic because there's an amazing artisanal cheese movement here in the States. But of course, there's a ton of great ones from France and Spain and Italy and Switzerland. And so that alone is a lot of fun and very difficult to decide what is in my case every week. And then beyond that, I take care of them. Cheese is a living object, if you will. It breathes, it grows mold, it changes its flavor, it can change its shape over time. So every day I'm also, um, I'm kind of going in there and I'm poking around and I'm assessing them and I'm seeing how they taste and I'm unwrapping them and I'm cleaning them up if they need a little extra love. And then, yeah, everything, like you said, from there, I also have a huge craft beer selection that I sell bottle shop style in our store. So I'm also curating that selection of beers and then thinking which beers are going to pair with which cheeses from my case. And before pandemic times, we used to host beer and cheese pairing events. I'm very excited to bring those back when it's finally safe for us to do things like that. Yeah. Um, But that's another one of my passions is showing people how to put beer with cheese. That sounds so fun. I love that. And thank you for explaining all, you know, sort of these different facets of your job. And before we get into a little bit more detail about what you do now in your shop with your husband, I know you guys run it as a family. I would love to go back in time a little bit and ask about how did you get into this career? Because I feel like this is a really unique career. It's not something that I feel like, you know, when you grow up, I'm like, I'm going to be a cheesemonger. Yes. You know, which is why I love it. And so I want to go back in time to how did you find out about this as a career or did you just land in it? What was that like? I totally fell into it, which is, it was kind of a magical little experience. I was living in New York City. I moved there right after I graduated college with my theater degree in hand. And I, you know, I chasseed off to the city to make it and make it on Broadway. And after living there for a few years and working in restaurants, as theater kids often do, I realized that I wasn't really as in love with performing in theater as all of the other actors in the city were. And I needed to find a new path for myself and something that I did really love. And, you know, I realized, well, hey, I'm in these restaurants every day and I'm really interested in food and I'm very excited by it. I loved when this chef would come out every day at the pre-shift meeting and explain the daily special and the new cocktails on the menu. And I knew I loved to cook and bake at home And so I just wanted to find a way to kind of marry those two things because I knew that I didn't want to be a chef in a kitchen. Total respect to all of them, but it's really, really long hours, really grueling work. And I wanted to still be in the mix of things. I still wanted to see people. I wanted to see customers and see the excitement and joy on their faces while they tried things. And so while I was trying to figure that out, a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, I work in this big French bistro and we have this cheese counter in it. And 
we're needing a new cheesemonger. And I think you would be perfect for back there. You just have to talk to people about cheese all night. And I thought, that's a job. How do I, (laughs) how do I get that job? Like, I don't, I don't really know anything about cheese. I like it. I like to eat it, but how, how do I do this? And at the time I was matriding at an Italian restaurant that had a little cheese menu is maybe 10 to 12 cheeses. And I studied that list and I got an interview for this French bistro and, and I went in and I said, well, I only know Italian cheese because that's where I'm working right now, an Italian restaurant, which, um, you know, is a, a little bit of a lie. I'd like <laughs> to say I, that's where I use my acting degree most. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I somehow, I landed a training shifts here at this place and it was, it was wonderful. It was magical. And I would go in every day and they handed me a menu of a hundred different cheeses and said, okay, we're going to taste through these. You take notes, you learn these. And in two weeks, we'll see if this is your job. And it was an incredible process. I tasted cheese every day. I took notes on this little menu and I would get home and ride home on the subway every day, memorizing this little menu of cheese and cheese notes while all the actors next to me on the subway were memorizing their lines. And it was a lot of fun and it was a lot of hard work. But after about a month or two on the job, I went home to my boyfriend, my now husband and said, this is what we're doing. We always knew we wanted to open some sort of business together, bookstore or cafe or coffee shop. This is it. We're going to do a cheese store. Wow. That's incredible that you knew at that point. Did something just click for you? Did it just feel like that was your path? How did you have that moment where you're like, yes, I'm doing this. I I was genuinely interested in the product. I thought the whole idea of taking milk and making something as humble as milk into something really, really beautiful and really decadent and luxurious or just something really like hearty and kind of a workman's uh, lunch, if you will. Like I love that cheese has that dichotomy. It can go from something super, super fancy to something super, super basic. Right. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And I mean, just like how you were really excited when you found out that I work with cheese, that's also pretty cool. The fact that you can make people so happy with something as small as a little piece of cheese. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. I really started loving cheese because I studied abroad in France. And like you said, like, you know, coming from so many different places or so many different animals and then the different varieties and textures and hard and soft and all that stuff. And it makes a lot of sense. At this point, when you were working at this restaurant and you had to learn a hundred cheeses in two weeks, and I could totally see how your acting skills and those memorization skills would really come into play. Cause I mean, that sounds like major cramming that you would have to be doing with that. Once you got the job, what was it like doing that? And then what was your next step that you knew you wanted to take to be able to own your own shop? When I first started off, it was kind of, I don't want to say like super hard, obviously, because at its uh, basic level, I was cutting and plating cheeses. But there was a lot of that imposter syndrome feeling that I think a lot of people are having right now, because the people working beside me had been doing it for 10 plus years. And one of the women who was there who did a lot of my training is this old French lady who, you know, she had that advantage that she was from France and she really knew the cheeses <laughs> and she spoke six languages. And so, um, that, that's why it's funny. I, I don't say things like 
crepe correctly. I say crepe, but I will say all of my foreign language cheeses correctly because she would kind of reach over and slap my hand if I didn't say them properly. Oh, how funny. Um, <laughs> so it, that part of it was really difficult or when customers came in who either knew more than me or acted like they knew more than me. That was kind of a, you know, that interesting thing of standing up and being like, well, this is what I know so far, but let's open up a book and let's check out together and let's see if we can find this cheese that you're looking for that you tried one time when you were in the South of France that has garlic on it. And <laughs> no, I don't know it because I wasn't there with you. Right. Because it did take a lot of time on my own researching and studying and reading cheese books and scouring websites to learn as much as I could. And then that alone was a lot of fun, obviously. And, um, it was a big learning process. And I worked at that place. That was a restaurant. So it was a big cheese counter inside of a restaurant. So people who were dining there could come up and sort of shop the counter and taste stuff with us and choose what they wanted to have on their charcuterie boards at their table. We would also go table side and describe our cheese menu and pick out a good selection for them. And I liked that. And I love a restaurant setting and I love that atmosphere, but I Again, I knew that I kind of wanted um, a quieter life for myself, yeah. for like my full career. I wanted to be able to go home and cook dinner for my family eventually, you know, when I had one. So I, I thought, you know, maybe I should find more of a retail cheese setting. I worked at that restaurant for four years. And in that time, a cheese store had opened up in my neighborhood in Astoria, Queens called Astoria Beer and Cheese. And I started visiting them, you know, see what their cheese selection was like. And then I thought, this place is really cool. I love that it was a, a small neighborhood setting shop. Everyone there seemed to really like know each other. And it, it was walk-in retail style cheese. And so after four years at that restaurant, I decided it was time for me to make a move. I knew I wanted to eventually own a retail store. So I needed to learn how to run a retail store. So I, I walked in there one day and I said, hi, um, <laughs> I'm Carly. I'm an experienced cheesemonger. I work in Manhattan right now, but I really love a job here. And the owner of that store ended up calling me about a month later and saying, you know what? I think I might have a position for you. Why don't we come in and meet? And I showed him all my experience and I told him what I wanted to do and own my own store. And it, it just happened to work out that he was going to open another store and he was looking for someone to run his current one. So he said, okay, I'll hire you. I'll teach you how to run a store. You'll run mine. Wow. That's incredible. I was very, very lucky. Yeah. yeah. He said, here, you run the store like it's your own. It's my money. I'll teach you, you know, how to do ordering, how to manage a staff, how to run payroll. And it was a very, very, very lucky opportunity for me. Yeah. And just the timing of it too. Like that's such amazing timing. And then the fact that he was so willing to help you learn all the different facets of being a business owner, because it's not as easy as I'm imagining knowing all the cheeses, but then all those behind the scenes, operational, HR, you know, accounting, all those things that we don't necessarily think of when you own a business. Exactly. Because I knew how to take care of cheese. I knew how to, you know, say, this is the cheese I want to bring in and this is how I'm going to sell it. And these are what I'm going to put together. But I, I hadn't done any of the business aspects of it before. I had ordered things, but I wasn't paying those bills. Right. So, um, so that was a really great, it was basically like a paid apprenticeship and it was an awesome. amazing opportunity, a great store. And it was a wonderful 
like I said, community environment. And so that's what I knew. I was like, I need to open one of these somewhere. That's so cool. (laughs) And so how long did you work there? And then what was your next step? So I was at Astoria Beer and Cheese. My first place was called Artisanal Fromagerie and Bistro. And that was in Manhattan at 32nd and Park. And then I went from there and I made like a really fast transition from there to Astoria Beer and Cheese in my neighborhood in Queens. And I was there for, oh my gosh, three or four years. And then um, in 2017, I took a little maternity leave. I had my son. And then while I was still on maternity leave, our landlord came to us and he said, hey guys, I'm really sorry to do this to you with a newborn, but I have to sell your house and I need you guys to move out. And we had been in that house for seven years and he had not raised our rent, which is absolutely incredible in New York City. Yeah. That meant that seven years later, we found ourselves priced out of our neighborhood. And we didn't want to move out of the neighborhood where we both worked and loved. And so we thought, okay, well, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is the universe saying, hey, you guys should really get out now and go start that shop you've been talking about running for so many years. And we were like, okay, cool. I guess it's time to move, time to open our business. Where are we going to do this? And we had always thought about California, where my husband's from and where his mother is from. But when we were faced with the actual decision, my parents, who live in Michigan, said, come out here. It's cheaper out here than California. You'll find better rents (laughs) for your shop and cheaper places to live. And they somehow won. So we are out here. We relocated to Michigan, which is totally weird. We have zero ties here other than my parents happened to move here. I'm from South Texas and my husband's from California, but we, we took a leap and we were like, you know what? Michigan has a great craft beer scene and that couldn't be better for a beer and cheese shop. Yeah, for sure. So it was a total gamble on our part, moving somewhere totally new, totally foreign and different to us. But we did it and uh, it's working out so far. <laughs> That's good. And so how long have you had your shop now? Tell us a little bit about what that was like to start it and now that you're running it. So we opened our store, Culture Beer and Cheese, in the fall of 2018. Um, I actually got super lucky in that when I was getting ready to start planning where I wanted to open my store. I thought I was going to own it in the little town that I'm living in called Howell, but there was a cheese store in Brighton, Michigan, which is just like 20 minutes down the road. And I stopped in there one day and said, hi, I'm an experienced cheesemonger. I'm going to open my own store further down the road. I thought I should meet you. And Hey, if you're needing any help in the next few months while I'm getting my store set up, I'm available. And the lady kind of laughed at me and said, no, I don't need help. But are you serious about wanting to open your own store? Because I've been wanting to move out of town. Do you want to buy mine? Wow. Which is obviously incredible. This was a cheese store. It had all of the equipment and, you know, furniture and furnishings you would need. And I, I was really dead set on just starting my own business and having something of my own that I built. But I, I couldn't really pass up that kind of opportunity. And she has an amazing location right on main street. So I said, okay, well, you know what? I want to start my own business, but I will buy your assets and your equipment. And so she closed her store in May and we spent the summer giving it a little makeover and putting our own spin on it. And we opened in September and 
it was incredible that we were able to do it that fast. And that yeah. course is in large part to having that physical infrastructure already there. We already had everything we needed. So once we just got our licenses together and made our selections and filled the store with our inventory, it, it was real. And we um, opened our doors really quietly. I didn't make a huge deal out of it because I was kind of nervous, of course. I think like most people are when they started big in Denver. It's that like, oh gosh, I really hope this works. I don't have a backup plan if it doesn't. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) So there was a little bit of people who were already used to coming to that location to shop there. So we had like a little bit of sort of built-in clientele, but we also actually did a lot of work of gaining regulars and followers and people who liked what we were doing there. And they were great at spreading the news word of mouth. We also are in social media, of course, which totally helps. But really just having those customer recommendations is a value you really can't put a number on. Yeah. And just like the word of mouth, in other words. Exactly. Or I, something that I always love is if I have multiple customers in the shop at one time and you're saying to somebody, oh, you know, this is great. And another customer chimes in and says, oh, that is fantastic. Or they point at something like, oh, you got to try this jam because this is awesome. And so there's also just that wonderful community building moment where, you know, your customers are talking and engaging in each other. And then it also, for me, from a sales perspective, I hate feeling like a pushy salesman. So it's kind of great when the customers do that part of my job for me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not pushing the sale on you. That guy is. Right. Well, (laughs) and especially because they love it so much. So it's coming from such a genuine, authentic place. Like, I love this. Now you need to love it too. So buy it so you can love it as much as me. Exactly. I think in some ways it means more than when I'm saying it. Yeah, it totally does. That's really incredible too, because I think that, you know, it really goes to show that you're happy to be part of that community. And you said this at the beginning where you really love this type of job because you get to see people all the time and you get to interact with them instead of maybe being behind the scenes, not getting that interactive piece, that social piece. And so I think that's super cool. And so now that you have your shop and you've had it for about two and a half years, what is your absolute favorite part of of being an owner of a craft beer and cheese shop? Like what makes you wake up every day and want to go run and check all the cheeses? I mean, honestly, so much of it does. A, I really love being my own boss. I love the kind of freedom that I get. If there's a good song playing that I can dance and I can kind of sing around, I'm like, no one's going to tell me not to. Like, (laughs) I'm the boss. If somebody walks in and thinks, oh, this looks weird that this lady's like dancing and singing her shop, I can be like, yeah, because I'm having a good time. Yeah. I also like, I truly do get excited to be like, okay, I wonder who's going to come in today and who I can bring a little joy to. Because I I do love those moments. I got very excited. One of our shop's favorite cheeses was out of stock for like two weeks. And I I hated going in because I was like, oh gosh, I know so-and-so and and -and so-and-so are going to come in today wanting this cheese. And I hate that I'm going to have to break their heart. But, uh, you know, and I hate that feeling. But it finally came in this week. My rep personally dropped it off by hand himself because it wasn't going to make the delivery truck. Wow. And I was just like, this is such a great moment. You know, he's bringing it to me and he's making me so happy that I have it. And I get to know that when this person and that person and this person comes in today, they're going to get to have it too. And they're going to be so happy 
And it's all because of this, you know, one piece of curdled milk. <laughs> <laughs> you, when you say it like that, it doesn't sound as delicious, but yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, and that's exactly what I mean by it. it is such a, a literally a, a humble, humble thing, but it's just so amazing that it can do that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And now I have to ask what type of cheese was this that was, <laughs> that was you know, long awaited by everyone? So it's a French triple cream brie called Delice de Bourgogne, which translates to the delight of Burgundy. And it it is rich and creamy. It's like so creamy. You could just pick it up with a spoon, basically. And it's buttery and salty. And it, it's just such a favorite, favorite cheese of ours. Some customers stuff it into olives to put in martinis. Oh, wow. So I had a lot of people who were looking to do that this weekend. And yeah, it was a hard couple of weeks without it. <laughs> Does sound delicious. Anything with like triple cream sounds really glorious to me. Yeah, exactly. The higher the fat, the better the cheese, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So on the flip side, what are the hard parts of owning your own shop? Because I'm sure there are, you know, at least uh, one or two that because you're running your own business. So what what is the, the biggest challenge or one or two of the biggest challenges? I mean, the biggest challenge I feel like is time. It's always time. We spend a lot of our time there at the shop or doing work things in general. There's almost zero time off. We keep it very small right now. We're taking baby steps, as I say, to grow. So we usually just have a third person with us over the summer months where it's really busy. So the rest of the year, it's just my husband and I running it. So it's a lot of dedication. So just that too, you know, we're there five or six days a week and you can't make everyone happy. And I think that is another thing that is really difficult for maybe me in particular because I'm a cancer and I always try to make people happy. But there's always somebody who, you know, wishes you were open earlier or wishes you were open later or, you know, wishes you were open on Mondays. And it's like, I'm really sorry, but, you know, I need a day off. And so for me, it's hard to not please everyone. Yeah. Or when somebody's like, well, I want this cheese. How come you don't have it? And I'm like, because I have, you know, 80 other cheeses you can find one of these or right. and sometimes it's like, well, I don't like that cheese. So I don't carry it because I don't like it. And I can't sell something that I'm not passionate about. Right. So things like that. Cause I, again, I'm a real, I hate to say it, but I'm a real like, oh, I like, I want to be a people pleaser. Yeah. But you just can't please everyone. <laughs> and I could see that. Well, and especially in a retail environment, I mean, I've never run my own anything having to do with retail, but just having worked the very little that I did in college, it it is tough. And I was very, I was very happy to just be there. So I can only imagine if it's your own shop, you're getting all the feedback, the good and the bad. So when you are having like long days or you know, you're having a rough day. What is it that keeps you kind of coming back to do it every day? Because I feel like you and your husband are true entrepreneurs, like in, in the biggest sense, you know, you're running this shop. It's, it's like your own thing. You started it and you're running with it. What is it that allows you to come back and say, I want to keep this moving forward. I want to grow and have these baby steps and what is your dream for the future? I mean, for the future, I would love to. So right now I'm a beer and cheese shop that I can only sell my beer to go. We don't okay. have an on-premise license. Okay. Um, 
just because Michigan liquor laws are really strict and they're based on a population quota and there weren't any available when we opened up. So eventually I would love to have an on-site license. I would like to have a little bit of a bigger space so I can have sort of a, like I hate to say bar because I don't want it to sound like a dingy bar, but I want it to be a family hangout where families can come and their kids can kind of run around and play and the parents can have a really nice experience of, you know, having a cheese plate with a beer pairing or a wine pairing, having a crepe and doing some shopping all while they're there. Because that's just what I would personally want for myself to be able to go to. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Our son is now three and a half. We've been really lucky in that he gets to come to work with us every day. So we have kind of established ourselves as a family place. Okay. Um, Parents know that their kids are welcome to come in with them. And there's always toys or our son to play with while they shop. That's cool. So I like that. Again, it sounds so cheesy, but I like that, like that community building aspect of it, especially because we are new to this area. And so this is how we are meeting friends and this is how we are meeting our people. Yeah. And you know, a lot of us just thought, you know, some people just think of us as that cheese family and they're like, Oh, we can't wait to go back and see that cheese family again. That's awesome. So those, and those are the things that really keep me going. And other than that, like you said, on days that I feel burned out and I'm like, what do I even want to do? Sometimes those are when I get my best ideas and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I should do like this kind of promotion. Like um, during the beginnings of the pandemic last year, when we were like, how are people going to still shop here? You know, if people aren't going into stores, how are we going to make business come to us? You know, I said, I had this idea to do like a mystery picnic pack where I would say, you know, it's a set price. It's $50 price. And I would let them kind of tell me, you know, whether they needed snacks for their kids who are at home or whether they wanted something to be like a special treat for the adults at night once the kids were finally in bed or whether they just wanted to have like one special big picnic for the family altogether. And so then I would just put together a collection of goodies for them. And it was a total surprise for them what they were getting, but it was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Um, So just finding ways like that to keep myself creative and to kind of keep myself on my toes and find new ways of doing things. That's what kind of keeps me going when I've got the lulls. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I love too, what you're saying about your vision for the future with a community oriented place, like a family friendly place with us, with two kids that are little, it's such a relief to be able to go to those types of places. And We can actually sit down and enjoy ourselves. We know that like the kids are going to be okay. They're entertained and they're enjoying it. And so it's just like a fun experience for everyone. So I could totally see how that would be super glorious. Like I would love to go there. If if you weren't (laughs) all the way across the country, I would be, (laughs) I would be a patron very happily. So yes, yes. Maybe when I fly there one day, I'll, I can check it out. I would love to. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's, you know, quote cheesy because I think there's something to be said for building community. And I think especially now during this pandemic, we've all learned the hard way how vital it is to feel like there's a sense of community and feel like you know your neighbors and you can get help if you need it. 
And you know, that we are still able to connect. And I feel like when we get out of this time and when things go back to a little bit more normal times, that that element of community, I think will be even like a stronger driving factor for probably why people do certain things or don't do certain things. And and that community aspect is so, so important. Like I've missed it so much. (laughs) So yeah, exactly. That would be cool to see too, you know, with like, I feel like your, your timing with everything so far, you know, just like the fact that you didn't know, you started out, you didn't know what a cheesemonger was, that that was a job. And then you (laughs) went to the man in Astoria and it was right at the perfect time where he wanted to make a move in his life. And then you were able to help him and like learn on the job. And then you moved to this new place and the timing was amazing again, where the woman was like, oh, actually I'm headed on out, you know, like in that timing. So it's like, maybe the timing will end up, it will be perfect again when you're ready to, you can maybe have a bigger place and build on the community that I'm sure everyone's going to be really craving. Well, you know, I haven't thought about it that way, but you're right. Julie, maybe that'll happen for me. (laughs) I hope so. This is, I'm going to be crossing my fingers for you. So I'm excited. And, you know, I, I want to talk like a little bit about the details of cheese. I know I've heard you say before that cheese is a living product. And I would love for you to explain a little bit about what that means. Sure. Cheese is made from taking milk and curdling it, and you add cultures to it, which both help the process of warming the curds and draining out the whey and actually creating the cheese. But they also are live, active cultures that are then still living in your cheese product. And so they're in there and they are affected by their environment. So if you, you know, have a piece of cheese that you've taken home and you've eaten part of it and you left it in your fridge and you didn't really maybe wrap it all the way up totally well, a little bit of air has gotten in there. You've probably noticed that the outside of the cheese may look kind of hard or discolored, or if it's like a brie style, it kind of has a kind of a shine to it. And that's the cheese reacting to the oxygen around it. And those cultures are actually still kind of eating away at the cheese. So that's why cheese will change over time. It's going to grow mold in certain places. It'll start to, you know, smell a little bit more or different depending on the style of cheese. Uh, If you've left it in your fridge in a certain area, it may have picked up the smells from the other things around it in its environment because it is always growing and changing. But those, those cultures and those bacteria, they're, they're also there and they're, they're working for you. Um, they're helping your body break down the proteins and the nutrients and the cheese, and they're helping your body to digest it. Um, and some of them can really even be good for it, like your stomach flora, the same way um, Jamie Lee Curtis sells you her Activia yogurt because it has beneficial bacteria for your tummy. Cheese, and especially raw milk cheese, has that for you. So it's really working for you and can be good for you. Okay. Yeah. And thank you for explaining that because I had never, you know, it makes sense when you explain it, but I guess I had never thought of it as alive or living, you know, even though I had noticed, you know, and I have noticed changes, but it's, it's really interesting to think about it in that way. And in your experience are certain cheeses more popular than other cheeses. I'm curious to hear because you have so many cheeses in your shop. Like 
what ends up being the most popular? Is it sort of the things that everyone's familiar with, like the American cheeses or are the ones like, you know, the French cheeses or something the most popular? In my store in particular, my best selling cheese is a cheddar. Okay. And I don't think that's super surprising. Um, Americans in particular really love cheddar. Mine is a really, really small production cheddar that comes from a small family farm out of Kansas that, you know, almost no one has heard of. So I think that that's kind of special because they didn't really walk in off the street hearing of the Cottonwood River cheddar. I have to have this Cottonwood River cheddar. That's something that they've tried in my store and have fallen in love with and continue to come back week after week. One of the other really popular ones is a goat cheese from Spain called the Drunken Goat. Okay. And <laughs> it's an aged goat cheese. So, you know, most people think of goat cheese as like that soft white stuff that you would have on a salad, perhaps, or folded yeah. in with some eggs. And this one is aged um, about six to eight months. So it's what we call semi-firm in texture. Wow. So I'm trying to think of, maybe think of like an Asiago style where it's, you can slice it, you can pick it up with your fingers, but it still has a little bit of a squish to it. Okay. Um, and then it gets a bath of a red wine from the area of Spain where it's made in from Jumilla. It's a, a Murcia red wine that it gets soaked with. And that wine soaks into the cheese. It kind of neutralizes the acidity of the goat's milk. And it imparts this really nice, soft fruitiness. So people absolutely love it. It's not a challenging cheese, but it still has a lot of flavor. It's pretty easygoing. I, I like to call it a gateway goat because <laughs> it, it's a good introduction to goat cheese for people who don't normally think they like goat cheese. Okay. How interesting. <laughs> yeah, it does sound very intriguing uh, because I don't think I've ever had goat cheese that's been harder. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And of course, like if it's soaked in wine, how can you go wrong? It makes everything better, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm better soaked in wine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so how many cheeses do you have in your shop? Do you know? I guess I should ask that first. The last time I counted, it was about 80. Um, okay, wow. I have a very small case, though. There's so many more I could have if I had everything that I wanted at my fingertips. But uh, at, at one point, I will say this, in my first cheese job at Artisanal from Majorine Bistro, the owners were dead set on me having 200 cheeses in-house. Wow. And it was it was actually quite a challenge just because, again, like literal space footprint, how much space I had to work with and store everything in and making sure that they were all different enough that I could, you know, verify why I had 15 different kinds of Swiss mountain cheeses in. But that was certainly a big undertaking. So I think 80 is a much more manageable number. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, even, uh, that sounds like a lot to me. So I can't, I mean, 80, so, yeah, 80 cheeses. Like I think if we have five or six, I'm good. So yeah, exactly. You know, in the house. So 80 sounds like a lot. <laughs> and that can be the hard thing when somebody walks in and they're like, hi, what's good? What do you recommend? And right. I'm like, literally everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you said, you know, you only carry what you really like. So that, that makes sense. too. Exactly. Exactly. So, and again, that's the hard thing is just self-editing being like, but I want it all. I'm so excited for all of yeah. these products. <laughs> yeah. And so with your business, where you're at now, do you feel like 
after the pandemic that it's going to be really different because there's going to be more, I guess like there's going to be an ability more to like shift your shop and maybe the structure a little bit. And I was curious about that because I know at least here in, you know, the Phoenix area where I live, there was definitely a shift of people doing takeout and things like that versus actually going in somewhere and really experiencing like what it was to be like inside and, you know, even to eat inside or to do anything inside. It's just so different. It it was certainly um, a big challenge at the very beginning of the pandemic because we were always allowed to be open because I am technically a market. I am technically a grocery store Okay, because I do most of my business by retail cheese and beer sales. So the fact that we served crepes was just sort of an added thing. And we do have tables inside the shop so people can sit there. So of course we closed that up at first. And at first, you know, we had no idea really what to expect. So we did keep our doors closed to the public while still remaining open and doing curbside pickups. But that was difficult because we are a visual shop. You know, you can read my cheese list online and you can go online and see all the beers that I have in house, but it is different than being in the store and seeing with your eyes, what this label looks like or what this cheese looks like or tastes like. So that was, that was a big challenge. And that's um, again, why I started doing those mystery packs. Yeah. So I could kind of get new things out to people that they hadn't necessarily seen or tried before. Once we got more comfortable and, you know, mask wearing was sort of a, a, or was a mandated thing, not sort of, it was, and we were very strict about that in my store. Um, and we started allowing people back in. We actually found ourselves to be quite comfortable, okay. um, meaning the fact that we are mostly a to-go shop anyway. People were fine taking the crepes to go and they were honestly, even spending more money with us than they had in the past because they were home more, because they were home more and realizing that they're, gosh, these kids of mine eat so much, or (laughs) I need a little treat at night because I'm with my kids all day, or I'm working from home trying to figure out Zoom. We were very, very fortunate in that people in my area were consciously trying to shop small and to support the small businesses on our main street. That's awesome. You know, and again, it's the community, the people who are like, we really love the Lisk family. We really love the cheese family. We want to make sure they're okay through this. So let's make sure that instead of buying our beer at the grocery store, we'll go and buy it from them. Yeah. You know, I had people saying, what are all the other jams and pickles and things that you carry? Like, send me a picture of your shelves because I'd rather get it from you than go to the Kroger. Yeah, that's it awesome. It was amazing. It was absolutely incredible that people would do that. And um, that that is how we survived this past year. Yeah. And that's such a nice story to hear that people were purposely reaching out to ask, you know, like in ways that they thought, okay, well, instead of me just getting this generic jelly or what have you from the store, like, let me see what you're offering that, you know, is probably much better quality and, (laughs) you know, and supporting you all. And I think that really speaks to what you guys are doing and your business and the community that you're in too, the fact that people are really making an effort. 
to do that. So that's awesome. It was incredibly heartwarming. Yeah, that's so yeah. great to hear. And I want to end on a note of if people are interested in doing this career as a cheesemonger because they love cheese just like you, what is a way that they can start? There is um, a cheese school in San Francisco called the Cheese School of San Francisco. Okay. So I'm sure you could go to their website and see what sort of resources they have. But one of the cool things that I've always found about this industry is most of the people that I've met and I have talked to are mostly self-taught. And then they found out that they really loved it or they got into it because they really liked visiting their local cheese shop and thought, well, maybe I should learn more about this because it is something so great about that. You can pick up all kinds of reading materials and read cheese books. There is a cheese certification program for cheese sellers, but not a ton of people have it. It's a really intensive certification program. Cheese is incredibly sciencey, if I may sound so dorky by saying the word sciencey. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not. But there's a lot of cheese science aspects to it. So people will like cram hard and study for this really, really intense certification program. But it's only a small percentage. And a lot of people, myself included, don't have that. You know, we have regular food handlers licenses and we, we know safe practices. And then we learned all of our cheese stuff on our own. Yeah. And are there like associations or other groups of cheesemongers like does that exist for your field yeah though there definitely is there's the uh the american cheese society okay is one and yeah they have their own meetings and workshops and competitions that they hold and um it's both for like cheese makers and for cheese sellers okay got it and is there anything else that you would recommend if someone is interested, like, would you just recommend if they have a local cheese shop where they are, or, you know, even if they don't to like contact someone and be like, I'm so interested in this field. Do you have any resources for me to learn more? Can I come in and talk with you? What would you recommend is like the best first way to start? I mean, exactly that. I I would always say, go straight to your source. If you have a local cheese shop, go there and talk to the monger ask them what they like about their job, ask them questions. If you're not looking to do it as a career, but you just want to learn more, most of us are more than happy to spend a half an hour in a conversation. (laughs) I I had a customer who, who came to me like that. And she said, you know, I really, I find this really interesting. I'm not sure if I want to do this as a job, but would you maybe spend half an hour with me someday and just kind of telling me about this and letting me taste through some things and talk to me? And I was happy for the the interest there was you know honestly a little flattered so I was like well sure come and like stand by the counter with me for a little bit I'll talk to you about this I'll show you the ropes even if you know she didn't end up taking a position with me because she didn't want to leave her career but I like that she was interested yeah that's super cool and yeah it sounds so easy like okay I'm just gonna hang out for the day and learn about what you do (laughs) (laughs) I would love doing that personally it sounds so fun So to end the conversation, can you share a sentence that uses verbiage or jargon from your field and then basically translate it so that we can understand what that actually means? Oh, yeah, sure. Fun. Okay. Well, something I might say, like, 
in conversation with my husband, be like, you know, hey, hand me that plane so I can face the bloom off this Appenzeller, um, which <laughs> would basically mean like, hey, hand me that plane, which is a cheese tool for scraping, oh. so I can face or clean off the outer layer, the bloom, uh, the mold on this Appenzeller, which is a Swiss mountain cheese. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. That was such a good example because I had literally no idea what you were saying. That was perfect. Thank you so much, um, Carly. And tell us where we can find you on social media, your website, all the details. Awesome. So we are Culture Beer and Cheese. Uh, We are located in Brighton, Michigan on Main Street, if anyone's in the area. If you're not, you can find us online at culturebeerandcheese.com. And on Instagram and Facebook at Culture Beer and Cheese. Um, you're welcome to on our website. There's a little button there that you can just email me directly if you have any questions or anything. And same thing on our social. I'm always checking my DMs and our messages. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was so much fun to learn about cheese today and learn about all the facets of your job as a cheese expert. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Julie. This was super fun. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women With Cool Jobs. I'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you loved the show, please give me a five-star rating. Also, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with someone you think would love it or would find it inspirational. And lastly, do you have ideas for future shows or do you know any rock star women with cool jobs? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at julie at womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at womencooljobs. Again, that's womencooljobs. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day.